Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust. Welcome to Money Talk for Saturday, March 9th. Did you wince when I said March 9th? Oh, man. March 9th, 10 years ago. Here we are, March 9th, 2019, March 9th of 2009. However, that was the bottom of the bear market and the turnaround that started the bull market. And we're going to get into that because it was a traumatic for lots of investors, including the guys in this room here today. But uh, let's talk about the week that was worst week of 2019, Derek, for lots of reasons. Well, it's, it's actually a very low bar because it's only the second week this year we actually were closed down. Um, the S&P is now 2% off the high of the recent move, falling 2% this week. Small caps still up 13%. We're also down this week. And the Chinese market, which had a big run, entered bull market territory earlier in the week, finished down 4% on Friday, but is still up 11% for the year. So still a very strong start to the year. It is. And Mark, you know, the dollar is higher again, and it could be because of the weakness that's happening overseas. But uh, when the dollar continues to, to strengthen, it makes the number of things uh, different. In fact, the 10-year Treasury down to 2.62. That's an amazing number. When you started to think that that got north of 3 for just a little while, we're back down to 2.6% on the 10-year. That, that, that's a fantastic move, but you're right. You know, all things are relative, so you look at the dollar strength towards other currencies, and when the ECB, the European Central Bank, is talking about easing for the foreseeable future, no rate raises in 2019, is what Mario Draghi is saying. If that's the case, then the dollar stays strong. Yeah, in Italy, is likely in a recession, and China is uh, in a stimulative mode as well. And here we are in the United States trying to unwind that. You know, uh, lots of QE, and we're looking at we try to unwind it, and the market had a temper tantrum, Derek. Yeah, I mean, people are concerned about the slowing global growth picture. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the need for fiscal stimulus in Europe. We've talked about the need for a trade deal in China to eliminate some of this uncertainty. And the analysts are, you know, as you'd expect, cutting earnings estimates for the S&P 500 for 2019. We're now looking at about down 2% on a year-over-year basis in the first quarter. Typically, companies under-promise and over-deliver. So if they're, if they're saying down 2%, I'll, I'll make you a bet. They basically, the earnings estimates are flat to up a little bit. But the real question to me is, you know, what's going to happen, you know, as we, as we get towards the latter part of this month and we, and we find out whether there really is a trade deal or not. I think psychologically we need one. Uh, they talked on Friday about no concrete date. Well, of course, they're not going to have a concrete date unless they have a deal. They're not going to meet and agree to nothing. Uh, so I think the market overreacted a little bit on Friday. We were down all five days this past week, but it was a long overdue correction after what was a really strong advance from Christmas you, Eve. You know, you talk about China and uh, the president is taking on the entire world, it seems, uh, to try to, to do some trade deals. Of course, uh, Canada and Mexico, there seems to be uh, an agreement in place there. Of course, Europe is is in conversation in China and North Korea. So all of this is happening at the same time. I'm not surprised that the U.S. dollar is acting that the way that it is. We 
had a jobs report, and it was a huge miss. Well, it was. It was the biggest miss we've seen since 2008, coincidentally. In fact, I looked back, and, and it was, you know, when you look at the biggest misses, the 10 bis- biggest misses we've seen in the last uh, 15 years, in nine of the 10 times, the stock market actually closed up on the day, uh, primarily because these are month-to-month numbers. And again, I caution, I always tell our clients and, and prospects who come to Annex that we look at the trend in numbers. And the trend in, in the jobs number has been very strong, up 180,000 over the last three months, which is double uh, what you'd expect based on population growth. So the jobs market still remains healthy, but the, the key component, Mark, and that was the wage number. Yeah, you look at uh, wage growth. So, you know, you look at you look at things like February and say, is that something that you look at one data point and say, oh, my God, em- unemployment's going to heck. I think you can look at a longer view what happened in 2018, what's happened so far in 2019. And I think that's where those averages, Derek, that you just pointed out really are important for people. But as to wages, you're talking about 3.6% annualized growth in wages. And that's important because people who are working, if you're making more money, you tend to spend more money. And if you're spending in this economy, you're supporting GDP in the United States. And Larry Kudlow said yesterday morning that he does think it was the blip that Derek was talking about. And when we come back, uh, Danny, it has been 10 years of a bull market. And we want to talk about, is this the most unloved bull market in the history of time? And all of the things that have gone into that and maybe the reason people are so skeptical. Okay, we'll do that uh, next. It's 1013 at WTMJ. Just want to mention, we got another Destination Retirement Workshop coming up, and this one happens next Wednesday in Mequon at our Mequon office. The uh, full name is Destination Retirement. Are we there yet? And I think we've done probably three, four, maybe five of these yet, and they've been er, this year. They've been very, very popular. So if you are putting uh, retirement planning Uh, a little bit more to the present than the future, this would be an excellent thing. You do not have to be a client of Annex to be there. Uh, It's just a a great thing to do. So again, Destination Retirement, Are We There Yet? happens Wednesday night at our Mequon office. Starts at 6 o'clock. Details at AnnexWealth.com. Just look in the upper right corner for the Events tab, and you can sign up that way. This is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Well, the difference, it is team, tech, trust. It is Money Talk, Saturday, March 9th, our website, AnnexWealth.com. Get that free portfolio analysis, the free annuity analysis. Also sign up for Axiom, which is our weekly newsletter. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Derek Felsky and Dave Spano as well, carrying the, the scars of March 9th, 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago, this very day, uh, March 9th, 2009, uh, we were in this studio, and I remember we were about to go on air, and uh, it was pre-Danny as as the host. Uh, uh, Jim Peck was, was sitting there, and uh, I was reading the newspaper, and, and the lights go on, and they're pr- telling us to start the show. <laughs> and, and he goes, are you going to join us? You know, right now, his, his wit. And I was reading this paper, and it said in there that 90% of investors were pessimistic about the future. As a contrarian, I thought that was a problem. And so we started talking about, you know, we, we were looking at stocks that were trading at single-digit multiples, twos and threes, stuff that's trading now at 16 and a half. And we said there, there has to be a bottom to this. And I think that people should start looking and putting together a shopping list and put together a list of the things that they like to buy. Well, that happened to be the bottom. So a blind squirrel did find a nut in this case. But it's been an ugly, ugly uh, uh, return 
because no one loves this thing market. I mean, we've all often called this the most unloved bull market, and, and for lots of reasons. I think it was the cynicism uh, of people going through two major declines, right? The yeah. uh, the uh, tech bust in 2000, 2001, and of course 2008, 2009 was a massive uh, pullback. I think people were skeptical about what the recovery had in store. Well, for sure, and for good reason for a lot of people. I mean, the scars were pretty deep for what happened in 2008 and 2009. You're talking about sometimes, for some people, more than 50% of their portfolio. And you start to think about what impact that really has on a family and on your life. So, you know, the scars are real, and people look at it and say, were you rewarded for sticking with your plan? And I think that that 10 years later is the takeaway, is the people that stuck with their plan, went to diversification, and built a portfolio that was based on those experiences and on their risk tolerance were ultimately rewarded. Yeah, Mark, when I, you know, when I think about periods like that of, you know, ex- extreme volatility, either on the upside during the tech bubble or the downside during the financial crisis of, of 2008 and 2009, remember what John Templeton said a long time ago, it was that bull markets are born on p- pessimism, as we had in March of 2009. They grow on skepticism. I mean, how many times were people calling for a double-dip uh, recession after the 2009 bottom? They mature on optimism, and then they die in euphoria. And the interesting thing about the market that stands right now, 10 years after those lows, is we do not see the euphoria you typically see at a market top. You know, one of the things that I think that we have really been sensitive to is the pitch of the recovery. And by that, I mean the trajectory. You know, sometimes you see these V-shaped returns where the market goes down, it seems to bounce off and go straight back up. That's not what we've seen here, Derek. And I think that that's an important point because the longevity of this thing versus the pitch of the return, they've been, they've been commensurate. And, and they've, it's been okay because of the fact that it's been slowly going back up as opposed to bouncing back up. And I, and I think the primary reason for that is the cause of the, the, the problems in 2008 and 2009 was due to real estate, you know, excessive home building, excessive apartment building and the like. And home builders and, and just the housing market in general have lots of impacts, not just directly, but indirectly on appliance sales, on construction jobs and the like. And what you're what I've seen recently is despite this weakness we've seen from on a year over year basis relative to a year ago, you're starting to see the home building stocks and home builder enthusiasm start to grow. Housing starts, for example, are up way, way better than expected in January. And from what I've been reading, there's a really a, an absence of homes There are lots of millennials that are staying at their parents' house. And if you get that housing market going, and I don't see why it wouldn't with interest rates at these levels, uh, that can lead to a secondary oomph to the economy that could be even buttressed more by a trade deal. You know, I saw something the other day that I found really interesting. Uh, In the end of 2008, the split between owners and renters was 68% owners, 32% renters. And here we are, despite everywhere you see apartments popping out of the ground, today it's 65% owners and 35% renters, and there has not been a major difference uh, in all of that. So uh, we want to continue this conversation, but coming up, a uh, great conversation with Tom Parks. Yeah, for sure, Dave Spano. Uh, that's coming up. Tom Parks heads up our 401k department. So if that is something that you, if you own a company, you run a company, would like to make a great 401k uh, for your employees, we're, we're going to cover off on that. Also, a little bit later on, Jason Ganeer is one of our wealth managers at Annex Wealth Management. He is also a full-time police officer. He knows government employee stuff forwards and backwards. Excellent segment with that. It's all part of team because we talk about team tech and trust at Annex Wealth Management. Again, website, AnnexWealth.com. Get that free portfolio analysis, the free annuity analysis, and sign up for Axiom, which is our weekly newsletter. WTMJ, it's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management.
From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with James Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trusted Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back, Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex. Thank you for having me. Well, we talked about this before. There's intense competition for employees. The benefits package a lot of times can make the difference. It'll tip the balance in favor of the employer. Good benefits retain employees. They take pressure off of the HR department. All that stuff, is that still true? Absolutely. More so now than ever. Let's talk about constructing a great 401k plan. And I guess we'll start with having the right number of options. Too few? Too many? I mean, what, what? That's a great question. So it's a delicate balance. There, When you look at some people, they'll say you want to make sure you have enough things for people to choose from when it comes to the investment selection. But there are also a lot of studies that show there's a breaking point at which they're diminishing returns. So once you start offering too many, then people start to tune out and it actually has the opposite effect of what you want it to have. So Eyes, eyes glaze over and they yeah, have no idea, right? right? Paralysis analysis, is that it? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, there's a requirement that you have at least three. I haven't seen a plan in a million years that has only three investment options, but there was a trend for a number of years of having more and more and more. That has come back with the advent of target date funds. I think that mitigates some of the concern of having too many. But yeah, that's something that you want to be real deliberate about. Talking about good things to do when you're creating a 401k plan for your employees. Uh, Keep an eye on fees. Where are fees nowadays? You know what? The thing with the retirement plan industry is there has been such a focus on fees. And with the disclosures that came out, uh, the required disclosures that were part of the law a number of years ago, people are more in tune to it. People who are in charge of retirement plans are more aware of the fact that they should be paying attention to it. And because of that, there has been a lot of consolidation or people have fallen in line. There's a lot more parity when it comes to plan fees than there used to be. So it's something you should be aware of. If you think you're paying too much, chances are you can find a way to pay less because there's a lot of competition out there and it's become easier and easier to understand what those fees are. Would that be something that an employer would spot or the participant? Either one of them could spot it, but ultimately it's up to the employer to do something about it. Things to do when you're creating a 401k plan for your employees. How important is the employee match? The employee match is very important. So when we look at benefits, we talk to our clients all the time about the compensation package that they're offering to their employees. And part of that is, you know, their salary or their hourly wage, whatever that is. There are health benefits, potentially insurance, life insurance, disability, the retirement plan. All of those things are part of the compensation package. So obviously there's a limited amount of money that everybody has. You can't offer the moon to everyone as much as most of the really cool employers we work with would love to. It is a business. It is, right. You do have to end up, you know, making the, keep the lights on and everything like that. But we do recommend to people, you know, depending on what the issues are, that for sure, if there is a matching contribution, you're going to see higher rates of adoption of people, you know, actually contributing to the plan than if you don't have one. There are a lot of creative ways to structure a match that uh, we talk with our clients about all the time. So, you know, people say, well, 50 cents on the dollar up to 6%. Well, what if you did 25 cents on the dollar up to 10? You know, so there are lots of different ways, stretch match um, that we talk to people about. But for sure, it's not that you shouldn't participate in the plan if there isn't a match, but Obviously, the plan's better if there is one. Let me jump back to what we talked about at the beginning, which is the importance of a good benefits package. Have you had our clients or have you run into businesses that have said, yeah, we really have realized we've, we've kind of got to up our game a little bit? Yeah, we've actually been seeing more of that. And clients have come to us and ask us. The cool thing is when we're collaborating with their other benefits 
providers. So, you know, if we can talk to their health insurance broker or advisor, we can collaborate on behalf of our mutual client. And that's where it gets a lot of fun. So we have some cool clients who get the, the idea of that creative interaction. But we do get a lot of people asking us for advice and questions on how can we make this better? What are your other clients doing? Things like that. One of the important things that I read was about the vesting schedule. I guess first you need to explain what the vesting schedule is. Yeah, think of it as golden handcuffs. So vesting schedule applies to money that is given to you by your employer. So it applies to either a matching or a profit sharing type contribution. Any money that you put into your plan, vesting schedule does not apply. It's your money. It's always yours. But the vesting schedule means when you leave the company, how much of that money do you get to take with you? So it's only relevant when you leave. Um, so there, too, we'll talk to people and say, uh, you know, vesting schedules always start your date of hire. So if you have high levels of turnover, a vesting schedule will have an impact on how much of that match or your profit sharing contribution stays in the plan versus goes with the, the former employees. Those are all dynamics that are we provide advice on a case by case basis because it's not the same for everyone. But you do need to be aware of it and how it impacts your, you know, the the view of your employees if they're paying attention to it. You know, in past jobs as an employee, I, I never had a problem with the vesting schedule. I figured they're giving the they're they're putting yeah. the money into my account. It behooves me to stick around. Yeah, right? and that's the idea of a vesting schedule is they value you. Right. They want you to stick around, so they're going to give you an incentive to stay on board. This is something you do day in, day out, week in, week out, and we can do this for any company, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing about the clients with whom we work is we have clients with as few as 10 employees and as many as in the hundreds up to in excess of a thousand. So, and that's what's so great about 401k and other qualified plans is there's a lot of flexibility. You have plenty of space to structure it to work for you with all these different things, eligibility, vesting. Is there going to be a match? Is there going to be a profit sharing? Is it going to be both? All these different things. That's what we love talking about with our clients. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Tell the difference. It is Team Tech Trust Money Talk, Saturday, March 9th. Don't forget, daylight savings time tonight. Exactly. Yeah, this is the bad one. This is the one where we lose the hour. Well, to me, it means that spring, you know, come in like a lion, out like a lamb, and spring is coming. Snow's starting to melt. Uh, But, you know, there's lots of things that people uh, can get excited about. One of them is Ask Annex. We just got this via text, and we've got a couple more, but via text, and somebody says, how did you know that that it wasn't going to get worse? Well, we we really didn't know. We're talking about the events of 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. We really didn't know it wasn't going to get worse, but we looked at all of the parameters and the fact that there was overwhelming bearishness, and I am a bit of a contrarian anyway, and so I I went and said, you know, let's buy some of these brands, some quality companies that were trading at single-digit multiples. We didn't say go all chips in. We said start to pick away at names that we know are going to be there and that are trading far below uh, expectations. Uh, And, you know, we had a a little conversation uh, this week, Derek, about, you know, what has changed, and of course it was ugly. There was no question that there was a cascading failure of financial institutions, and the politicians were pale in the face when they thought what was going to happen down the road. Well, I've, you know, I've often thought that you know, in this age of esoteric project products, whether it's structured products or options or derivatives and the like, collateralized debt, that many times the person that runs the bank doesn't really know what's going on inside the bank. And you had all these whiz, whiz kids who built these models. They back-tested them during a period where we didn't have any kind of real economic weakness. It led to 
strategies that didn't hold up when the economy started to fracture. And then you start to find out about counterparty risk and fat tails and all the rest. In other words, the likelihood of a significant event, two or three standard deviations out, is much higher in reality than it is on a mathematical model, Mark. And so, you know, when I, that's one of the reasons we talk often about that fear and greed index. I realize that's more of an intermediate term indicator, but it's really a way for us to sort of check our level of enthusiasm. Because clearly, you know, we're much happier at our firm when our clients' accounts are going up in value, and, and that certainly makes for better client meetings and the like. But we always have to be managing risk with one eye, you know, trying to look around the corner, anticipate what can go wrong. You know? and, and that's the problem. Let me just jump in, Mark. You know, we go, we have a, a checklist, and we go down and say, what happened in 2009? Are there any other indicators that are right. showing that in all kinds of things like inverted yield curves and GDP and all of that stuff? But to Derek's point, we don't know what's around the corner. The, the next issue probably is not going to be the last issue, yeah. right? And so you think about, you know, it could be China. It could be overwhelming debt from somewhere else. We're not really sure. You know, the thing I take away from it is we say it all the time on this show is know what you own. When you start thinking about CMOs, collateralized mortgage obligations, and what was going on at that time, how many people that are listening this morning really understand what those investments are? And then you look at, you know, anytime you get four investment bankers in the same room, they're going to take those securities and package them together, and you, all of a sudden you got derivatives, and now you got people out there that are investing in these things, and they don't know what they own. And I think that that, at the end of the day, is what saves people from getting into that trap again, is looking at your investments and saying, what is this thing? You, you you look at just remember a couple of years ago, Dave, when when was uh, structured notes came out, right? And everybody said, "Well, that sounds pretty good. Structure sounds good. Note sounds pretty good." But they were they were these things that people didn't understand, and they went badly on people. So you have to look at it and say, "What's the underlying investment theory? What's the underlying investment product? And what is it doing in my portfolio to move my financial plan forward?" You know, I, I have to tell you, we we saw, we saw those structured notes from some uh, you know local banks, brokers yeah. and bankers, right? And it is exactly know what you own and be transparent in all of those things. Fee transparency, product transparency, knowing what you own comes from the fiduciary standard. And, and when we when you're hiring a financial advisor, I you know we can't pound the table any harder than what we've have over the last 15 years on the show. You make sure that you have somebody acting in your best interest. Well, and the people that were selling these structured notes, they were they were bankers a lot of cases. I mean, or they were owned by a bank or affiliated with a bank, and so you've got that bias, right? I mean, anytime you got that bias of proprietary products or an ownership group that that has a vested interest in selling product, you're getting away from that fiduciary standard of care. You want to have somebody who's independent. You want to have somebody who's affirmatively a fiduciary. In other words, I'm going to put it in writing to you, and I'm going to promise that I'm going to act in your best interest, not what's in the best interest of mother banker and, and what products they might have to sell. So those are the important takeaways from this. Know what you own. Work with a fiduciary. Boy, my friends at the banks are not going to like Mark today, so I just want to make sure that was Mark Oswald ripping on the banks. You know, picking up uh, from what you were saying, Mark, I mean, one of one of my basic theories when I, you know, do due diligence on m mutual funds or, or investment ideas at Annex is literally the thickness of the prospectus. I mean, to the degree that a prospectus is thick, it means it's very complicated, probably difficult to understand, probably lots of caveats in there that I probably wouldn't pick up on, on my first blush. Like, for example, I've looked at some private real estate deals here, and I always f find a way not to do them because I always feel like they're, A, not the best property, 
fees and be at a very high cost. And it doesn't have to be a private real estate deal or anything complex like that. You look at a variable annuity, which a lot of people listening this morning own. You look at those prospectuses, and they're hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages with a lot of different terms that you may not understand and a lot of different conditions. Again, when you're dealing with a contract like that, have somebody explain it to you until you fully understand it before you buy it. Uh, we have a couple other segments yet for in the show. We sure do. Uh, in fact, we, we always say team, tech, and trust. Uh, our next one is a team segment. Uh, we're going to talk to Jason Ganier. Uh, he is really a specialist for government employees, and that's police, fire, government, municipal, teachers. He's very good at that. Find out why. That is next on Money Talk. Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. Time is money. Make the most of yours with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust. This is a team segment, another example of just how deep and experienced and familiar with a lot of different walks of life that our clients have. Welcome back, Jason Ganier. How are you doing today, Danny? Not bad. So besides being a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, you got a lot of years in another career. Yeah, 25 years in law enforcement and transitioning to my career here at Annex and been an advisor here six years now and a CFP for almost as long. You're just not busy enough, is that it? Yeah, that's what my spouse says. During your work in law enforcement, you were involved in matters of finance and investing. That's kind of what led you this way, right? Yeah, I worked for a labor union representing um, police unions for a long time while still working at the police department. And obviously those things uh, lend themselves to questions on financial planning, pension systems, deferred comp. And it just kind of was a natural progression. I enjoyed it and I found that there was a, a vacuum there that needed to be filled for government workers that weren't getting good advice from outside advisors. Good. So listen up, folks, if you're in that line of work. Government employees traditionally have good benefits. Does that mean that they don't need financial planning? Almost just the opposite. One thing is government employees tend to retire earlier than their counterparts in the private sector. Pensions at some point, mid-50s, early 60s, kick in and lends itself to retirement. So you got to plan for you know a longer retirement. And even though a pension replaces a percentage of your income, it doesn't replace all of it. So you have to have a plan of how you're going to replace that income in retirement. So the 401k equivalent for government employees is that 457B. Is that right? What's the difference? It's a fancy IRS code. They use you know 401k. They use 403B for our friends in the nonprofit and, and teaching sectors. And then 457 is for government employees. And there are some differences between the 401K and the 457. What do government employees really need to know about pensions that they might not fully understand? I guess there's a lot of moving parts in a pension. First off is with the state pension, which is the largest pension in you know, in Wisconsin, there's a county pension, a city pension, but it's first off, am I in the variable or the core? And those are different investment choices. And then how long do I want to stay in the variable or the core? Or do I want to switch at some point in my career? You can only get in or out once. So it's not like you can jump back and forth with your 401k changing your asset allocation. The other thing is when you retire, you know, you have a survivor benefit potentially if you're married. Do you want to take on 100%? or 75%, or there's different options. So there's quite a few moving pieces when you get to retirement with pensions. It can be complicated. You need some help. Correct. And a lot of times, I, one of the mistakes I see is that people wait till they're ready to retire to sit down with an advisor. So they're like, well, I'm going to retire in two years. You know, I'll meet with an advisor then. It's kind of like you know, having a personal trainer or a doctor. You don't want to wait till you're 53 to you know sit down with a personal trainer if you want to get in shape. You want to do that 
early on in life so you can have good choices and have good habits. You and I have had a lot of off-air conversations because, as you know, I've got a young son who's a cop, and I like to get as much information out of you as possible. So there's the emergency fund, there's school loans, there's growing family. doesn't leave much room for a truck and boat. So is discipline hard for a 26-year-old police officer? Yeah, it can be, but I think getting those uh, financial plan down early. Matter of fact, just this morning I sat down with a, a new young officer just starting on the job and just wanted some general advice. Had not even really started saving yet, but just advice on, you know, student loans. Should I pay these down first? Should I start saving in the Roth option of my 457? Should I do a Roth IRA? I want to get a home. Should I be saving in a a savings account for the home. So you got to kind of get all those different buckets you want to fill and have a strategy on how to do it. And as obviously as life goes on, those buckets get bigger and life gets more complex. For sure, it pays to sit down with an advisor. Kudos to her for coming in. Yes. That's pretty smart. So is going hard after like overtime, is is that the solution? It would seem that that's pretty lucrative. Yeah, that sometimes that is a solution. It's nice for you want to have a vacation or you have some maybe some short-term expense you have. Overtime works nice for that. But if you do it throughout your career and you get your lifestyle dependent upon that overtime, eventually when you retire, it can be a little bit of a seismic shift to not have that overtime because your pension, again, isn't going to replace all of your income. So you speak this language of law enforcement, of government uh, workers. What are the steps you like to follow with clients who work in those fields? Everyone's plan's unique. And in law enforcement, firefighting, teachers, we tend to rely upon each other because there's a level of trust there, a strong level of trust. So a lot of times someone will be sitting down in the squad room or the firehouse or the teacher's lounge saying, hey, what are you doing? Well, I want to take the accelerated pension. Well, that might be a good fit for that person and their financial plan, but it doesn't fit everyone's financial plan. Everyone has different situations. Some people have kids, some do not. Some have kids in college. You know, some have a spouse that has a good paying job. Others have a spouse that maybe stays at home. So every situation is different and taking general advice can be somewhat dangerous to your financial plan. Jason Guinier, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Number one, thank you for your service. Number two, thank you for your time. Thank you for your time, Danny. Our website is AnnexWealth.com. You can click that Get Started button and we will get you going. Uh, Get that free portfolio analysis, the free annuity analysis. Also sign up for Axiom, which is our weekly newsletter. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. Don't settle for less. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. This is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ for Saturday, March 9th. At the essence of this show, financial planning. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, talk about the things that, that cause people concern. Obviously, running out of money has got to be at the top of that list because, uh, you know, what we have seen in, in the markets in the past. And so people have to invest. They have to create uh, portfolios that make sense for them. And, and the other part of that, Mark, is longevity. People are living longer. The IRS is taking a look at our RMD tables because of that very reason. And so people running out of money is one of the things that, that bother people. Market fluctuations, healthcare costs, these are all of the things that people have to put in their portfolio. And it's things when we, people come in to see us, Mark, we, we try to walk through that. Well, I think you're balancing two different things, right? I mean, longevity risk is the, is the, the risk that you live too long. Right, and do you have enough money to do that? And it's 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 easy to take a thirty-year view of your investments and say, what's my portfolio going to look like in thirty years? At the same time, you have to look at it now in the shorter term and say, what is what am I doing today? 
what kind of variables are we looking at in our portfolio? And that's why we've made it very dynamic, Dave, is to have people come in and be able to say, what about now? Now that I've looked at my portfolio, we've made the decision to retire or we've made a choice to you know, buy a second home or whatever it is, what impact does that have on my financial plan and the likelihood that I'm going to outlive my money or yeah. not outlive my money? Right. So there's a number of questions. And not only that is, you know, where are you going to live and where's the money going to come from? And do you have health care costs and, and long-term care? But, you know, I alluded to, Derek, uh, market fluctuations is one of those things that, that causes people uh, concern, and, and, and rightly so. And so when people are building portfolios, there are things that people can do to mitigate some of that risk in, in portfolio construction. Yeah, one of the things that we do that I think is really interesting is, you know, we do acknowledge modern portfolio theory, the idea that a portfolio of, of, of uncorrelated assets can yield a superior risk-adjusted returns. But in, implicit in what we do is we actually have forward-looking assessments of valuations and what the likely returns are on these, these asset classes. And that can lead to dramatically different asset allocation guidelines than what you typically get from a set-it-and-forget-it for, type advisor. Uh, for example, you know, in, in late you know, 2018, we were rebalancing towards uh, emerging markets and away from, from U.S. large-cap stocks, you know, the FANG stocks, if you will. And, and that certainly proved out through the fourth quarter and into this year. And and most recently, you know, we've been rebalancing a little bit away from equities towards a uh, short-term bond fund to take a little bit of risk off the table, provide us with dry powder and portfolio stability so that during an, if we do have another correction of any magnitude, our clients will weather it well. You know, we talk about team tech and trust, and we use a lot of technology, and it's an interactive, interactive way that we go through these modeling, and we do that with people sitting in our conference rooms. But the other part of that is team, and obviously uh, the, well, there's three small really smart people in this room, excluding me, myself, right? But, you know, the other thing is the team, and we have a great team. And the other thing when you talk about wealth management is who's going to help you taxing decisions and where is the money going to come from and what bucket is very important. It really is because when you start thinking about all the things we always talk about, asset allocation, for instance, you hear that over and over. People never talk about asset placement. And I think that that's an important point as well because of the fact that Depending on what type of investments you have in your qualified account versus your non-qualified account, it could be taxed differently. So capital gains, unfortunately, or fortunately, are taxed differently than income is, is taxed differently than dividends is. So when you have stocks that are more likely to have capital gains and dividends and bonds that are more likely to have interest, the fact that they get taxed differently is important because in a qualified account, you get to defer that tax. In a non-qualified account, you're going to pay that today. And then lastly, of course, the other part of the team is the estate planning part of that. In all of that together, you know, we obviously we have uh, Jill Martin, estate planning lawyer on staff. You know, how are things registered is very important. And, you, and, and, you know, people, people are born, people die, people move. There's a lot of decisions that go into that. When you look at the number of people that are out there that are over the age of 55 and don't have a will, it's still a significant number of people. And a lot of people are just like, well, if something happens, you know, the kids will work it out or my work, wife will work it out. Boy, a lot of things can happen. And, and the last thing that people want to do is leave a legacy of uncertainty where people are, there's infighting and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, take the time to do that. But again, do it with a wealth management firm that's going to incorporate that into your financial plan because it's too hard to go out and get your sales guy to talk to a lawyer that talks to the CPA and they all tell you something different and you end up doing nothing or you end up with a mess. And so if this makes sense to our listeners today, 
what's the next step? The next step is to get started, right? I mean, and, and that's the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step, right? So if you haven't done anything, there's nothing to be embarrassed about in that. You simply are in the, at the beginning of your journey. So you contact us, you come in, we do it at no cost, we do it at, at no obligation because we want to show you what the opportunity is in a financial planning environment with a true comprehensive wealth management firm and see if it's going to fit for you. And that's the most important part is, is it a good fit for you? Is it a good fit for what we offer? If it is, we get started and we'll take it from there. And you can start today right now at AnnexWealth.com. Just click that Get Started button. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.